This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. You're listening to the Knowledge at Wharton podcast. I'm Steve Sharada, Senior Managing Editor here at Knowledge at Wharton, and I'd like to welcome Kimberly Burham, and she is the Managing Director of Legislation and Special Projects for the Penn Wharton Budget Model. And that model is a highly detailed economic simulator that can be used interactively by anyone online to, to game out or to change any tax policies and and figure out how it would affect not just the federal budget, but lots of different things. It's a, it's a, it's a very rich model. Kimberly, thanks for joining us uh, today uh, for this podcast. Hi, Steve. It's good to be here. Uh, this model does lots of things. Uh, it it models the effects of immigration on the economy. It models the effects of changes in social security, taxes, or regulations. But we're here today to talk about the new tax uh, legislation or reforms that have been put forth by the Trump administration and the Republican leadership. Uh, They're very sweeping. uh, What's being proposed Maybe the most sweeping changes in 30 years. And there's um, a lot of Let's say uh, there's a lot of detail that is not in the plan, so a lot will be left to how legislators uh, determine what this is going to look like. But nevertheless, um, we, we'd like to get some kind of an idea of what effects the proposals, as they've been put forth, uh, would have on, on different things like the budget, like uh, the middle class, like uh, GDP and labor and income. So... Let's get started and tell us just briefly about your model because it's, it's, it's very rich, it's very detailed, um, and it's been very accurate. So please tell us. Um, so we, we use census-level data to um, take a look at um, how American households, their demographics and their characteristics and how that changes over time. Um, you know, And then we take that in and we figure out People um, can get married, they can get divorced, they have children, they can get education, Um, you know, eventually they retire in the model. Um, And we take a look about how all of these things then projecting forward how different policy changes will then affect um, people's wages, um, the federal revenues and the deficit and the debt, as well as GDP. So it's really interesting. So everything, I mean, all of the economic decisions that people have to make throughout their life, they're, the, the major ones at least are, are taken into account here. And then you layer on top of that, at least in, in this model, you have many models, uh, but this major model, you layer on top of that uh, any changes in tax law and how that might affect their their incomes, their savings levels, and that sort of thing. And, and of course, the overall federal budget. Right. And we can take into account. So when, you know, wages change, you might think that the how much people work or whether they work at all might change. Um, We can take that into effect. We can also take into account if, um, you know, the return to savings, if interest rates change, um, that might affect how much people save or consume. And we can also take that into account, too. Those are known as macroeconomic feedback effects. I think what's really interesting about this is that it's incredibly rich and, and the machinery behind it is really uh, complicated. 
but at the same time, it's easy to use. So anyone can go online and, and uh, I think without too much trouble, figure out how to change a couple of numbers. You know, I'd like to change taxes in this way or, or change this variable and press a button and you can get a readout. In fact, with your latest one, I see someone can, you, you can go on, there's a graph of what the current budget budget proposal would do, let's say to, uh, uh, to, to, uh, to the budget, for example, and you can tweak it in some way and change, move taxes around and make other changes and press a button and then it will have your graph plotted against that average graph. So it's a, it's a really interesting, rich tool. So let's get into what this latest budget proposal, very sweeping and all that, um, what the effects would be, even though we don't have all the details. This is just a, a, a rough overview because that's what we've been given. Right. So what we did was we took a look at three different options, and there really is a lot of room for policymakers within um, this new proposal to you know, make decisions, and those decisions will, are going to have big impacts on the deficit and GDP and wages. So for instance, um, within this proposal, amongst the three options, um, by 2040, one option would increase the deficit uh, compared to par- current policy by more than 10 million. And, you know, the 10, 10 million or 10, 10 trillion, okay. sorry, That's okay. <laughs> but it would increase the, the deficit by more than 10 trillion in 2040. Um, but another option would only increase it by 2 trillion. So there's a, a huge amount of room here for policymakers to um, make decisions that are going to matter. The bottom line there, it sounds like what if however they do this, it's going to increase the budget deficit, which of course is not what they're saying, correct? Right. So all of our options are going to increase the deficit, um, which is sort of the same way of saying that although we include macroeconomic feedback effects, Mm -hmm. um, so for instance, in our sort of uh, most rosy option, option C, um, in a a static sense, it would increase the deficit in 10 years by um, $1.5 trillion once we account for these macroeconomic feedback effects, which is allowing people to adjust how they consume, how they save, how they work, um, then it only increases the deficit by a trillion dollars. Okay, so is is there a way to characterize uh, one of the big questions with this? We talked about the deficit, but the other big question, another big question is how it might affect the middle class is, do we know enough to say what uh, as currently constructed, and we know that'll probably change, what effect that might have? So we do know that um, all of all of our options do lead to a small amount of increase in labor income and GDP. And we can tell that there, you know, they are, we do model increasing the child tax credit, um, both by introducing a new $500 credit for non-child dependents, and in some of our scenarios by increasing the value of the credit um, to $1,500 and increasing the amount of people that can reach. And that's a policy that can really reach, you know, a, a, a broad swath of the American public. Um, and, and that could help a lot of people. Okay, so, but it sounds like in the end, what we're saying is, or what you're saying is, that the devil's in the details, and meaning that we won't know, or it's, it's difficult right now to say what the exact effects will be because we don't have enough detail. What, how these things would actually come down in, in a bill, right? It's just so, so broad, it's difficult to say. Is that it? I think that's true. There's just a large, you know, 
swath there's yeah. of outcomes that are mm -hmm. possible and i think it's going to be really hard to tell mm -hmm. at this point um you know especially who is going to be helped and who mm -hmm. is maybe going to be hurt by by um, tax reform at this point but as these details are revealed um and get plugged into the model, the model will be very robust in determining the, the effects. Is that right? Yes, yeah. yes. We'll be, we'll be introducing some distributional analysis um, soon, as well as taking a look at any bill that uh, comes out of the Senate or the House. So we can have another conversation once there's, uh, <laughs> once there's more detail out there and really, right. really get into the, into the details of that. So, but in, in, in a broad sense, can you look at, uh, you, you talked about the deficit, budget deficit, can you talk about effects on GDP, for example, because that's another big one. Right. So um, that also has a broad swath of capabilities. So um, say in GDP in 2027, um, under option A, which is sort of the more expensive option, it assumes that a lot of the base broadening or tax expenditures um, do not uh, get repealed in the bill. And so that would increase GDP in 2027 by 1.4%. Um, Annually, is that? Um, just in that year. Okay, I see. Um, and from current policy. Okay. And then um, on the other hand, if you assume that those do, then that would increase by 1.3%, which sounds like not a lot of difference. Um, but when we're talking GDP, you're talking big, huge numbers, trillions of dollars. Um, so that does make a difference. That, that's on top of what GDP would otherwise be. In other words, if GDP were going to be 2% that year, this is adding an additional 1.2%, let's say, which would mean a total of 3.2%. Is that how that works? Um, so this isn't growth rates. This is just on base. Oh, um, total GDP. Yes. I see. Right. I see. Okay. Do you look at it from the growth rate point of view? Um, we're not looking at that currently. Okay. We have the capability. Okay. We don't have that in front of me. Um, and, and the effects differ in the long run. So sort of short run effects and then long run effects. So, um, you know, in between when you look at 2040, then in between option A, which again assumes that we don't get rid of a lot of um, the tax deductions, et cetera, um, then GDP would be 1% higher than under current policy. Um, on the other hand, if we can get rid of a lot of those uh, tax expenditures and deductions, then GDP would actually be 2.3% higher than current policy. So that would be a huge amount of growth if, if that mm -hmm. happens. Okay, so um, what about... what? What does the model have to say at this point about changes in corporate taxation? Because there's a lot of proposals there. Right. Um, so in ours, we assume that the corporate tax rate will go down to 20% with no corporate alternative minimum tax. And then we also assume that the pass-through rate will drop down to uh, 25%. Um, and that people will be able to, um, you know, make appropriate decisions. So we take into account as far as the pass-through tax rate, um, income shifting and conversion in between different types of business um, and corporations, as well as in between individual and business income. Can, can you talk about that pass-through rate a little bit? Can you explain that for our listeners? Sure. So right now there's these businesses that, you know, sort of called pass-through businesses because the income passes through and is taxed at the individual rate. 
So this is like the S corporations and the uh, small, small and medium sized businesses, largely. Right, is that like right? S corps, okay. partnerships, mm-hmm. um, sole proprietorships, those types. This of is businesses. not the Facebooks and the Googles and that sort of thing. Right, exactly. They okay. would face the corporate rate, okay. um, which in this in our model would be twenty percent under, which is what the is in the new bill that's being proposed. Okay. Um, and so. The thing is with the pass-through rate, because currently that's pa- that's passed through onto individual income taxes, and the new proposal is to say that it would face a uh, top rate of 25%. Um, and so it's possible for people there, because many of those are you know self-employed businesses, to characterize their income as either individual or as um, you know business. And so... We take into account the ability of people to characterize their income differently and for businesses to decide if they want to be, you know, like a, a C corporation or, um, or a pass-through business. Is, is there a way to say that uh, based on the uh, broad strokes that we know now, knowing that it doesn't have enough detail and is likely to change a lot, uh, of, of what's, you know, of, of the way that it's being characterized, let's say, in the press by, by proponents. How does that compare with what, what you're finding? Is there a broad way to talk about differences or how they match up or don't match up? So um, I do think that one of the things that we're seeing is when people talk about tax tax cuts sort of paying for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so our model, you know, does account for that by allowing people to change how they save and consume and how they work in response to the policy change. Um, What we're seeing is that these particular sets of tax cuts are not fully paying for themselves. And you can tell that because it is increasing the deficit, um, both in the short and in the long run. Okay, so that's a that's a major thing. And as far as the distribution among different income brackets uh you're saying that really you don't really have enough detail right now to to make a judgment on how that matches up against what's being about against claims and, and counterclaims right and i think you know the 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 you know, the devil will be in the details on that case, you know, so for instance, um, under this unified framework, they're doubling the standard deduction, and that could really help a lot of Americans. Um, On the other hand, they're, you know, getting rid of personal exemptions. And for some people that have a lot of dependents, large families, you know, that could wind up, um, you know, the the pairing of those two, they could wind up, you know, hurt by that proposal. So, you can run the simulation and say what it means, but but in the end, um, there's going to be a lot of haggling. And if one or two things, which happen to have a big effect, are left out or kept in, it, it can really change the numbers. It, it's, it's, I mean, that, that seems clear. So it's very difficult to say right now that... Right. Like in our option C, what we wanted to, what our goal there was um, in the budgets that were passed in the House and the Senate, they're allowed to increase um, the deficit on a 10-year basis by $1.5 trillion. And in order to achieve that, we actually had to increase the corporate, um, the business rates a little bit. So for instance, instead of um, modeling a 20% um, corporate rate, we modeled a 25%. And instead of modeling a 25% pass-through rate, we modeled a 28% pass-through rate just to get them within that $1.5 trillion um, deficit increase okay to hold the deficit down right right okay well uh 
it sounds like that uh, as more details are released, it might be interesting for some of our listeners to go online and plug in some numbers themselves and, and, and give this thing a test drive. So you can learn more about the Penn Wharton budget model and go under uh, and simulate or game out the effects uh, of various tax policies at, uh, at the following website, budgetmodel.wharton.upenn.edu. Is that right? That's right, and we have simulators, and you can you can take a look both at um, you know what the unified framework would be, and then you can change and adjust that um, and see how you would try to balance the budget. So just go online and give it and give it a whirl. Uh, it's it's really an interesting tool, especially when you understand um, how robust it is behind the the very user friendly interface and so forth. So, uh, and you can find more insights. From Knowledge at Wharton on our website, which is knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. And you'll find all of our podcasts on iTunes. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. And even if you don't, please leave us a review. Thanks for joining us, Kimberly. Thank you. Okay. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 